The following is a replay of a live show that aired Wednesday, February 21st at 5 o'clock p.m. The opinion expressed not reflect the opinions of the University of Wisconsin-Madison or its Board of Regents. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of After Further Review, live on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison Student Radio. My name is Alex Schuster and joining me as always is a man who I have the honor of calling my friend and co-host, Vincent Hesperick. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, you goofed up your kids. I did, you I did. fit in there. Oh, man. I, I'll get that right next week. Uh, also joining us are a, a couple of very special guests, WSUM uh, trainees. I don't want to butcher you guys' names, so I'll let you introduce yourselves. Uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, so my name is Jadius McGee, or JD for short, and I am a junior at UW-Madison studying journalism. Hi, I'm Grace Canizzo. I'm a freshman at UW-Madison, also studying journalism. Well, I haven't applied to the J school yet, but hopefully. Ooh, you're being awfully confident there, Grace. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very nervous for this show because we're talking to two uh, women's basketball announcers for Big Ten Plus right now. So I'm, I'm kind of shaking in my boots right now. Hopefully my knowledge can live up to your guys' level. But Alex, let me take it away here. On the name wheel, we have you going uh, first here, Vince, for Rate My Take. Uh, you're going to kick things off, give a take. Each one of us will give a short reaction and then uh, a grade on a scale of 1 to 10. Awesome. Let's do it. I, I have been fired up for this one. Man, you, you texted me last night, and I kind of just told you what it was because I wanted to make sure that we didn't have the same thing. But it's the number one story right now in Wisconsin sports. But I want to start by saying that my biggest pet peeve in sports media or maybe just life as a whole, is when people take one side of a debate, wind up being proven totally wrong, and then just jump to the other side and act like it, like it just never happened. Like they were right the whole time. And the reason why that gets me upset is because it's okay to be wrong. I mean, everyone's wrong at some point or another. No one's trying to be perfect. So it's okay to you know backtrack on stuff. And if you can change the other side or change what side of the argument you're on, just got to make sure you specify ahead of time that you were wrong. And the reason why I say this is because a couple weeks ago, I defended the decision to hire Doc Rivers uh, for the Bucks. Um, in my defense, I didn't know that the deal was four years fully guaranteed. I knew that it was, I thought it was just the rest of the season, then we kind of go from there. Uh, but I said that he was a veteran coach who knows what he's doing when it provides stability to the Bucks. All right, I said that. With that being said, what is Doc Rivers doing right now? The, the Bucks are 3-7 and seven in the Doc Rivers era, lost seven of their last ten, and those losses have been downright pathetic at times. They lost to what could only be described as the Grizzlies' G League team, and there has been some solid signs in there. They did beat the Nuggets by double digits. Um, their defense has improved, not considerably, but a decent amount during that stretch. So if you're Doc Rivers, you have two things you can do during the All-Star break. You can either wall yourself up in your office, put on the film, get the Kings figured out, get this team fired up for a stretch run that gives them momentum in the playoffs, or... You could go on a show, indirectly insult your bosses by saying that you should not have been hired and complain about how difficult your job is. Now, astute viewers may point out that I'm referring to the second option. That's what Doc Rivers did. And this raised a lot of eyebrows, most notably J.J. Redick, who went on ESPN and said that Doc, his former coach, this is what he does. This is what Redick said. He said, this guy makes excuses. He throws people under the bus. That's what he did in L.A. He did in Philadelphia. Now he's doing it in the bu- with the Bucks. And Patrick Beverly got in a whole argument with him. Austin Rivers, who's a teammate of Redick and uh, the son of Doc Rivers, gave his two cents. No matter what side of the argument you're on, it's clear that this is just not good for the Bucks. You either want the media to be talking about your brilliant encore performances or not talk about you at all. And despite the loss of the Grizzlies, there is some good stuff to talk about the Bucks. Dame Lillard just won the three-point contest, and he was the All-Star Game MVP. Now, obviously, All-Star Game. We'll, we'll talk later on the program. It's not necessarily a super big deal, but he's out here making half-court shots. If he's got his confidence up, that'd be great down the stretch. But we're not talking about that right now. Instead, we're talking about our the supposed leader of the team who's currently whining about the fact that he has to get paid millions of dollars to coach the Bucks. So I still had some hope for Doc even after that. I thought, okay, he's learned his lesson. He sees the fallout. He's on social media quite a bit. He's just going to stop talking. But before the smoke could even clear from his first quote, he went on another show and basically said, no, not basically, he said that the Bucks should not have fired Adrian Griffin. Now, just a reminder, the Buck decision to fire Adrian Griffin is the exact and only reason why Doc Rivers has a head coaching job right now in the NBA. So basically, this guy indirectly insulted his bosses, caused a controversy, and his decision to respond to it involved directly insulting his bosses. Uh, Alex, I have three theories. 
Either he's A, trying to purposely get fired so he can get all the guaranteed money on his contract without actually having to coach. B, he is so sensitive about his past failures, he's trying to line up excuses right now so that way when the season ends in heartbreak, he can say, oh, I told you so. Or C, he's just not that bright. Uh, I'm currently in Camp C. I think that he knows the NBA media well enough to know that defending yourself is not going to work. Uh, I also think that if he wanted to get kicked off the team, all he'd have to do is sucker punch the Nassus. I don't think he's done that yet. Um, still a chance, but there's, if he wanted to get fires, there's avenues he can take. But nonetheless, uh, I'm not picking this Bucks team to do anything down the stretch. Uh, now, you know, regardless of what they do, maybe they get in the playoffs. And if they were to hypothetically make the finals against some fluky team like the Mavs, uh, sure, I'd pick them, but... Look, going in the playoffs, I just I cannot pick this team to win. There's so much internal strife going on. There's so much dysfunction, so much pressure, and with such a lack of results. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, I'll be watching this team the rest of the way. I'll be following them. I love them so much, but I just don't see this team winning a championship. So uh, which, which one of these takes my rating here? Is it the, the Doc Rivers is just not a very smart person, or, or is uh, it this team can't win a championship? Well, I think that would be an automatic agree across the board. I, maybe well, not. I lean a little bit more towards uh, him being more of an excuse merchant, maybe someone who's just uh, <laughs> trying to line up, like cross his T's, dot his I's, set everything up so he can just have the media take over for him and uh, peddle whatever excuse for the collapse of two of the, the best players in the league being on your team and, and what might have you uh, going on right now with this team. And I I hated it so, so much. <laughs> I like I said on the show, and it was kind of me just trying to like make an excuse for Doc. I didn't think you'd actually use it of saying, oh, you should have waited until the All-Star break. Maybe it could have been better then. But still, I feel like it doesn't make that big of a difference. We had to make a coaching change from the star players on the team. They got what they wanted, and now, Doc, you, you got to step up here a little bit and, and make things work here. I don't want to sell on them completely because if we learned anything from uh, the Packers season when Vince is selling all of his Ouch. stock on Green Bay uh, sports teams, they tend to turn things around. So that's, that's true. <laughs> I'm going to go a solid seven right now. There, there's a lot of turmoil. Um, I, I would put them as a, a falling uh contender right now like working their way out of the conversation but i wouldn't put them out of the conversation quite yet awesome jace i know you're a big nba guy what do you think um i would say for me i would have to give you a take probably a solid five i'm kind of in the middle right now solid in front of five is kind of you're right lipstick on a picture i respect you disagreeing so go ahead a respectable five of course um I feel like it's way too early to be judging Doc. Of course, I kind of want to keep Adrian Griffin. He really didn't get much justice with how he got out of there. But his last, he went three to seven in his last games that he's coached. But I think six of those games were also on the road. So with him coming into this team, they're not really comfortable with his structure. They're not really comfortable with his strategy. It's kind of hard for them to adjust. And I feel like we'll see after this All-Star break hopefully they can adjust talk over but like you said I don't really like what he was going on the podcast saying um not really a good look especially telling like you said your bosses that I don't know why you guys hired me I don't (laughs) it seems like to me he wanted to stick with commentating it seemed like he enjoyed doing that more but now that he got hired he has his job but I think there's still optimism that they can turn it around um Right now, I would say the the teams that give me the most concern is easily the Celtics. Um, we can see how Tyrese Maxey can hold up Philly, Philadelphia before uh, Embiid returns, if he returns. But right now, the Celtics are just the one team that really gives me concern in the oh, East. Yeah. But other than that, I think there's still a lot of time for them to turn around. So I'll, I'll give that take a five. I appreciate your optimism. What team do you cheer for? The Bucks. Oh, I forgot you're from Milwaukee. <laughs> okay, Grace. All right, I'm going to give you an 8.5. The only part of that that I slightly disagree with is, again, the timing thing. Like, there is still so much time. But I overwhelmingly agree in the sense that the coach is such a obviously, leader in this not only team, but kind of, like, this brand. Yeah. And by just, like, having these, like, controversial takes or, like, causing drama that is more than just like on the team like this like I feel like it just completely unnecessary and kind of like blows things up you need a stable coach I think that's why like 
you know, when teams have, like, coaches that leave and stuff, there's always talk of, like, oh, how are they going to, like, build their team back together and this and that. And I think that's because just having a coach that stays out of drama, that's stable in a sense, can is really, yeah, it's it's pretty avoidable to not get into that drama. So I think it's just kind of, like, he's shown he will give in to this drama, and therefore I don't see how he won't in the future. I think he's going to continue like this. Fair enough. One other thing to wrap up, uh, just got to give praise to Giannis for how well he's playing. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, despite all the losses, he's just been incredible during this run here. So if he can keep playing like this and we can kind of get the rest of the team to, to step up to that level, even the slightest little bit, at least start getting into to playoff mode uh, towards the end of the season. I, I like the way this team could go, yeah, especially Giannis. with him at the helm. Giannis, you want to get in the GOAT conversation, you're going to have to do some 2017-2018 LeBron magic for this squad. And he's looks like he might be willing to do it, Up too. To the task? Yeah. I'm so- go ahead, Alex. All right. So my, uh, I guess it's kind of less of a take and more of a, a declaration of my fandom uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, <laughs> I, I think as Wisconsin sports fans, we have a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, to hop on a bandwagon for a franchise that is uh, nearly guaranteed to have a generational player uh, for the next couple decades to come, and that would be rooting for Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the team right now, aside from Bedard, they absolutely suck. I mean, their goalies... Uh, their starter averages three goals a game. The NHL is uh, a little bit above that uh, on a per-game basis. Uh, their backup giving up over four goals a game, uh, playing 29 of the 52 games during the season, too. So he he stinks, but he's still getting ice time. And then uh, their skaters have underperformed throughout the season. They had a few big signings that have been out with injuries, and Bedard also being hurt didn't help them very much. But their defensemen just underperforming, not being uh, very efficient whatsoever. Um, but looking aside from all that, they still have fantastic uniforms, even when they're losing games. They look great doing it. Uh, they also have a fantastic home atmosphere, even during this losing time. Uh, all the fans are showing out to games to root for Connor Bedard. And uh, uh, close proximity as well. I mean, for a sports fan, you want to be able to root for teams that are, are nearby. You maybe have the opportunity to go to a few games for them. And Chicago is one of the few options available in that department. And uh, most importantly, it's just a buy-low opportunity. They're currently the worst team in the league right now. And uh, with a player like Bedard, I have no doubt that they will improve in years to come. I so, pre- oh, I'm sorry. I, I do have to go in a little bit on uh, Bedard as a player right now. He's the youngest player in the NHL right now uh, at 18 years old. Uh, he's tied uh, leading the NHL for rookies and goals with 17 39 total points in 42 games for the Blackhawks. Uh, scored a Michigan uh, at 18 years old. I mean, they lost the game 7-5, to five, but still. You, you score a Michigan, that takes a special kind of talent, especially in the NHL. Um, and everything that anyone says about him is just praising his character. He seems like uh, just one of the, the best guys in the league on and off the ice. So uh, a guy I, I'm willing to get behind and, and uh, pledge my allegiance to. Yeah, he feels like a very Wembenyama like figure. He just he says all the right stuff, and he's really good, and he's really young. Uh, it's really good for the sport of hockey. Uh, that being said, I gotta give you a three out of ten on this one because if the Packers were to hypothetically shut down, there is no way I would become a Bears fan. I, I agree with that, but we don't have a, a professional team, so I feel like by default, I, I I kind of have to go down and and root for the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of it is because. They have Bedard. I mean, I was unwilling to do so in the past, but he is kind of convincing me right now where I see the way he plays. It's just beautiful, and uh, I want to continue watching their game. So I feel like I, I just have to be a fan of them at this point. Oh, he's luring you in. He so, is 100%. So you're walking in with the Cubs shirt on. No, I, uh, I would never switch to any other sports team, strictly hockey, but I, I think it's fair. I, I do think that's fair also. If you're a Wisconsin sports fan, you kind of have to choose between the Wild and the Blackhawks unless you're just going to some random team that I, I don't know how you pick your affiliation then. Yeah, I like your point, though, nonetheless. Um, I'm not too knowledgeable about hockey, so by default, I'm going to have to agree with Vince and give you a 3 out of 10. Let's go. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I'm giving you a solid 7 out of 10. I think... No, 8 out of 10. Because here, Someone's trying to get back on the show next week. <laughs> no, because here's what I think. Um, I think, and I was kind of, you know, completely different sports, but I was kind of think of, 
thinking of this in sort of like the Caitlin Clark effect in the sense that a single player can really just completely change fan base and the game itself. So I really think that having someone that people look up to or can count on when this team hasn't been doing so great, I think that's a huge game changer and can even really inspire players in the future to come to this team. Um, in the sense, I think it really he really is building a name. So I think it's a good take. I just like the I can't get on like the whole fandom thing, so that's <laughs> that, that's where you lost me. But I think it's a good take. I, I accept that. I mean, it like I I think it shows a little bit how hypocritical I can be at times because I gave the complete opposite take for Victor Wembanyama in basketball, but. Uh, <laughs> We'll just ignore that and hop on the, the, the Bedard bandwagon. Awesome. Jadius, what you got for us? You ready to go? Yes, sir. Okay, so we got to go a little bit back into our memory bank for this one. Not that far, but my take is I wholeheartedly believe that if Chris Paul didn't get injured for the Houston Rockets back in the 2018 playoffs against the Warriors, the Rockets would be in the finals and the Warriors would have not made it to the finals. Um. Chris Paul, you needed that leadership when it came to that team. That team had James Harden, Clint Capella. It was that Rockets team, just in case people aren't aware. But that Rockets team had the Warriors on the ropes. They went up 3-2, and that was that Warriors team, even with Kevin Durant on it. I wholeheartedly believe that if Chris Paul was healthy in, in that series, they would have knocked them out probably 4-2 and would have made it to the finals instead of the Warriors. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Rockets even kept it kind of close without Chris Paul as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I really I, look. I'm I'm kind of a, a Chris Paul fanboy. It, it was just such a cool story when uh, he got traded to the Thunder, and it was like, okay, who's going to get rerouted to? Maybe the Bulls, Lakers. I don't know. And then he's like, no, I'm staying in OKC, and I'm going to have a better record right. than the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- with that said, it would have been so awesome to see that uh, that. Warriors team lose, especially because they were considered to be just the automatic winner, and they wanted to be exactly that. But just to bind the hypothetical, I love the throwback take. I'm going with the eight. Obviously, you never know what happens. Maybe KD goes off in that situation if if uh, Chris Paul limits Steph more with his defense. But I don't know. Love it. Love thinking about it nonetheless. I 100% agree. Um, I, I I think I'll go like a, a seven on this one. I wish you would have pushed a little bit further and, and maybe gone win the entire thing or something like that but uh, I respect it uh, great take I, I, I believe that you were right in this situation I, and I kind of think they would have won the finals as well that year that's respectable alright I'm giving you a 7 I think for the most part I agree the part where I think it's shaky is like when you go from okay this team would have won if this player did this or that I think there's so many factors. Like, this is so such a multifaceted, like, topic of, like, a, some other team could have had a player that didn't get hurt or could have had a player that stepped in. So I just feel like in terms of literally thinking, would they have 100% won, I don't think it's, like, feasible or, like, possible for me to, like, say, yes, they totally would have won without a doubt because of how complicated this is. But I do think it's – I do think overall it's a good take. That's fair. Wow, a cautious, reasonable take on after further review. I never thought I'd see the day. Grace, closing it out for us for the segment. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my take, right, Tyler Van Dyke coming from Miami, coming to Wisconsin, not a good idea. No. Like, I'm I'm not on board. I think everyone right now is so quick to be like, all right, we need to, like, improve as Wisconsin football, new quarterback, new this. They were saying that with Luke Fickle's, like, aerodynamic offense and knew this and knew that pause people we had issues this year with not ru- like not running the ball and here's the thing you hand it off to Braylon Allen gets a few yards right and Tyler Van Dyke his average running yards uh, rushing yards I believe is two per game so you're telling me this guy has heck of an arm incredible arm right you're getting you're hitting Will Paul and you're hitting like some incredible players, you can hand it off to a running back or two, but if you cannot run, I don't want to see it, and I'm not here for it, and I don't want to see it in the sense that I think the missing piece, and I'm so, so passionate about this, the missing piece this year of Wisconsin football was that 
we were never able to run the ball without handing it off to a running back. Tanner Mordecai struggled so much, and throughout the season, he continued to improve with it, but in the Buffalo game, they had two yards, and they, yes, they beat Buffalo, but it's Buffalo. I truly wholeheartedly believe that we need a quarterback who can be versatile, and I don't think just, like, taking him out of Miami, bringing him here just to throw and launch every ball and become this predictable team that we were this year. I think this is just a cycle that's going to continue and continue. We need a younger quarterback who is going to grow and develop with this Wisconsin team because we can't get the best. uh, We can't pick up the best people in the sense that, you know, we aren't this elite program. So we're not always going to get the best quarterbacks, which is the beauty of Wisconsin football, really, because instead of that, they're able to develop and uh, bring up and raise, essentially, these young players. This, is this to me, does not make any sense. Wow, I can almost imagine this being screamed into a mirror beforehand before it was <laughs> told on the air. Alex, what are you thinking here? Uh, I, th- I think i got to go a five on this one. Uh, the reasoning behind it, if he can be a solid pocket passer, I would like that in a quarterback the rushing ability is obviously a great x factor but when you get a quarterback that's able to use their legs i feel like they become too dependent on that at times and either like lamar jackson or justin fields at at times where that they look to run before they look for the pass or then they hear oh you can't pass the ball so they stop using their legs uh it i would rather have a balanced quarterback that is able to pick up a few yards but i don't think the badgers necessarily need a rushing quarterback. I, I would agree that we need to, to stick to the run game, but I, I think we can do that through a fullback and a running back just fine. I feel like the quarterback just needs to be able to complete uh, the, the short yardage passes, just be a high-accuracy guy. Yeah, I think people kind of think of the air raid offense as like we're going to hug it deep every single time. It's more about just kind of spreading the field and taking what the defense gives you as much as it is getting those deep bombs because sometimes the defense does give you a wide-open 70-yard touchdown. And yeah, I think that uh, Van Dyke is good at like that dump-down stuff. Uh, he does have a, a big arm, but I know that he's if, if he was a perfect quarterback, he'd probably be going to a different school and not <laughs> Wisconsin. Uh, I, I'm with you for, the, for part of it. I, I just think that, I mean, it... it Look, it's great to have a quarterback who's got some wheels. I just don't think it's a necessity, personally. i got to give you the, the 4 out of 10, but uh, appreciate the passion. There, there was some real, like, fear in your eyes. I think you're, like, glowing green <laughs> while you were saying no, that. No, I respect it. I respect yeah. it. I'll give this take a solid 7. Okay. So, when I was just doing my research just now, right, his freshman year in Miami, he threw 2,931 yards. 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. So as far as being like a pocket passer, yes, he's a great pocket passer, at least from what I saw his freshman year. But if you're talking about somebody who's more mobile, I have to give Nick Evers a shot. And he's a freshman quarterback from, I believe, uh, Brookfield. But his freshman year of high school, he's also on the team. He's a freshman. But he finished with 4,944 yards and 40 touchdowns, and he was a four-star recruit. So I would like to see Nick Evers get a shot. Um, our whole quarterback situation, I mean, I don't know what goes on in training camp, but we'll probably see who's going to be QB1. I mean, if we are bringing him in, more than likely he will be QB1, but who knows maybe somebody else will get a shot so i'll say a solid seven just because you said he's not good at rushing and when i did my research on that he's not so but as far as a pocket passer go out there march down this field and get us a touchdown i feel like he's a good pickup for that so i'll go uh, matter of fact i switched to a six now Damn. Ooh. <laughs> do you think we have time to get through badger sports update or uh get Is that, that after the break uh, I, I think that's what we've been calling i think we it. can quick crank this out, okay. in my opinion uh, so starting off, we're going to uh, take it to hockey first here. Uh, just got to get out of the way. The, the Badgers men's team oy, uh, oy. Oy, dropping oy. two uh, games to a, a very rough Ohio State team, uh, two that you definitely wish you could have back. But even after those losses, the Badgers are still going to have uh, a home Big Ten playoff game uh, with at least a, a, a top three seed. Yeah, uh, the fact that we're so upset, because if, if we got swept by Ohio State last year, be like, well, that stinks, but, I mean, that's kind of life. But now the fact this is such a big deal kind of shows how we progress. That being said, it, it was it was a real tough one. Uh, I want to. I know we're a little bit behind schedule. I want to quick jump to women's hockey as well, because that was a heck of a series. Did you guys catch that by chance? 
All right, well, Grace, with the authoritative nod, what a goal to win it in game two. That was nuts. Yeah, and I honestly think that something I love about this team is, like, if you look at the stats, it is so often that there are all different players scoring. Like, this is a team that really just, like, has the definition of a team in a sense there are always everyone is contributing this is not you know the same which i could say are issues with like the basketball programs is there isn't just this like one star player like i think in that game they were so well balanced of going off of each other i yeah i think it was awesome yeah very well balanced squad uh layla edwards with the winning goal that was something else i don't know how that was physically possible <laughs> one more <laughs> note for them uh the number two seed uh right now playing uh ohio state this weekend who is Ooh. the number one seed so uh, a big matchup coming up for the the women's program yeah biggest series probably in college hockey this year period yeah and at, at least so far two, big yeah. 10 on the or, sorry wcha on the line uh, very exciting stuff. Uh, I want to touch on, well, men's basketball, how scary were you yesterday? I thought we were going to blow it again. <laughs> I really did. I really did. I'm, I don't have confidence in the second half of any of these games. Uh, the closer we get to the, two, the last two minutes of the game, the more I'm sweating, the more it feels like the game slows down and we just can't find a basket, can't find a rebound. Yeah, I'm with you. Jadius, I know you're the, the big basketball guy. Your rec team beat the WSUM rec team. For that, I will forever resent you and despise you. <laughs> but uh, when an offense just goes dead, like our rec team's offense, they wouldn't even score a single point in the second half of the game. But when an offense goes dead like Wisconsin does, what's kind of your remedy to try and fix that? Well, it's a big one thing about this team is that as far as, like you said, when it comes to the second half, it's almost like they crumble apart. Um, we saw a little bit even about that with Marquette when they played Marquette a while ago where – The first half came out swinging, and then the second half, it seems, I don't know if they get fatigued, lose momentum, but they just allow climbacks. And I don't want to say a lot of that falls into coaching, but we might have to kind of look at coaching a little bit. I mean, even Maryland, they're not a great team. The fact that we walked away four points uh, with with a four-point win, that's not very – it doesn't put me at ease, really. Because yeah. um, you can say that Maryland did score a ton of their points. I don't want to say garbage time because the game was close mm-hmm. at the end. But we were just giving them so many open threes at the end. It's like we were just not ready for that situation. It was surprising given how veteran the squad is. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Alex? Uh, I mean, not. Re- I. It's just, it just kind of. Yeah, what it is. It is, it yeah. is what it is. I. I hate blaming the coach specifically for stuff like that because he's not the one taking the shot. But I feel like there has to be something different you do for preparation. Uh, I know, like the the Cal Kentucky teams. There's a videos of Tyler Hero shooting like all the free throws to save his team from doing sprints and all these th- <laughs> things that they do to prepare you for those pressure situations. And I wonder if he could do a better job at that. There you go. Yeah, totally uh, fair point. Was we got to finally touch on women's basketball. Man, I was so excited. Took down Minnesota on the road this weekend. Got up above 500. If we were to uh, get above 500 or finish the season above 500, it would be the first time that happened in 14 years. So I want to ask uh, you two, uh, you guys are the, the women's basketball experts. You've graced uh, the screens with your voice. I don't know. That was supposed to be a metaphor for something. It didn't really come out very well. Because my name's Grace. But ah! <laughs> what, what grade would you guys give this women's basketball team this year? In like in total, not just Minnesota. Yeah. Yes, the Wisconsin team. Okay. On the season. I don't have a definite grade in this. As a team, I would say we're looking at. A BC in, in Wisconsin terms, in Wisconsin fashion grading, you know. The reason I say that is because the one piece I think we are so missing, right, is Wisconsin men's basketball, they're throwing up these random threes, and it, it can be annoying sometimes, but at least they're trying. <laughs> the women's basketball, there is no one that consistently, Sarah Williams, incredible in paint. But who we need someone to step up for the team who's going to take these threes. You know, you have freshman Tessa Grady who's already uh, kind of built a name for herself in that sense. Um, Natalie Lightsinger occasionally putting up threes. But I really think that's something that we are so missing because we are an excellent team in paint. And I think if we had those threes, we could be an AAB team. What are you thinking here, Jadius? I'll say that we're about a B right now. Um, like... Grace pretty much mentioned Sarah Williams 
she is phenomenal in the paint. That's both on the offensive and defensive end. But as far as three-point shooters around her, we don't really have that many. Like you said, Tessa, she's, what, went off for five threes, 15 points. And I think she got sick the following week and had to sit <laughs> out. But now I don't even think she gets that much clock anymore. So as far as surrounding shooters, because Sarah Williams is also, like, very good on offensive rebounds as well. But... We have to have people surrounding her that can also knock down the three. Um, it's a good team. Even Sanaya Copeland, she's a very good defender. And it seems like she pretty much accepts any challenge that she gets to uh, match up against whoever has the hot hand. But as far as what we do in transition as well, it's not really good. And the transition offense has been like a big struggle for us. So I love to see defense turn into offense. I love to see uh, offense transition turning into threes, and we just can't really knock them down. We went five for 19. So, um, yeah, that's just something that we really have to work on, knocking down our shots because we get good looks. We just can't knock them down. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, given the context of Wisconsin, of the history of Wisconsin women's basketball, I'd give this year a straight-up A, especially since we've lost three of our top four scorers going into this year. But, yeah, I mean, compared to the rest of the Big Ten, it's probably a B-minus or B-C squad. Real quick, before we take it to break, I want everyone to guess here, uh, what is Wisconsin women basketball's three-point percentage on the season? Hint, they're ranked 288th in the nation. Oof. 25%? Um, 21%. I'm going, yeah, I'm going my lucky number, 27%. 28 percent so you were you, you were very close there 21 percent would be that that would be bonkers but it certainly has felt like that sometimes alex I, i'm sorry i really skipped over you you got i mean you've been you've been checking out this women's basketball team at times been hearing my rant or, or ranting there we go about well, it it's more just uh passion that you, that you can't contain uh i i love the That's way uh you feel about this uh women's basketball team uh the, the passion around it, everything you say uh, gets me excited about them. The only concern I have is I think this is the second year in a row that you said <laughs> we had the opportunity to finish above 500. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it pans out this year, but uh, fingers crossed for that one. If I said that last year, that would be probably my worst take today because we were <laughs> we only had, what, 11 wins last year? I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think I, maybe I said something like, yeah, if we win our next six games in a row. and That probably was what it was. Something yeah. I would say, honestly. <laughs> Uh, I think that's going to have to do it uh, for us right now. We're going to step away for a, a quick break for some very important messages. Hey, Jay, what are you doing? I'm going to walk. But, Jay, the light is red. What if there's a car? You know I don't believe in cars. I'm going to walk. Jay, please. I'm doing it. <gasps> he really put the L in walk. Let's not be like our ex-friend Jay. It's well known that Wisconsin ranks 46 in the country for jaywalking-related accidents. And with your participation, we could be 47th. Here are some tips to help you obey pedestrian traffic laws. Often find yourself restless at a red light? Carry around a fidget toy or a snack. Look left and right, then left again. Repeat as necessary. Hold hands while crossing the street. If still inclined to break the law, ask a friend to restrain you. Remember... You can't walk if you're hit by a car. Hello all and welcome back. You're listening to After Further Review on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison Student Radio. Jumping right back into the show, me and Vince watch a lot of sports each week. Uh, uh, Lots of things we want to talk about on the show. Not all of them are worthy of their full segment, so just quickly ripping through... uh, some discussion topics for the week. Uh, I'll go quick with uh, my only one is LeBron saying that he's not sure if he wants a farewell tour. I mean, I just think it's so stupid. If you're one of the greatest players to ever play the game, you deserve the retirement tour. You deserve the farewell tour. Give it to the fans who love you. I might not love you, but I still think just just take the tour. I want to be able to make fun of you while you do it. If you mess up, teams give you a bad gift or something like that i want to be able to talk about it so so please do the t- the retirement tour that was a weirdly wholesome lebron take by your standards i thought you were going to make fun of him for saying oh yeah i'm not sure what i'm going to do even though we all know he's definitely going to do a retirement tour but uh, re- respect it I mean, I'm, I'm just going soft on him wh- now what I kind guess. of gift do you want the bucks to give him absolutely nothing yeah, nothing <laughs> cole give him a bucks and six <laughs> license plate or something yeah 
I'm, I'm with you. I don't like the retirement tours personally. I feel like, yeah, you beat us forever. Why do we have to give you gifts because you beat us? I, I think it's more of a fan thing of like, oh, like this is my last chance to see this player in action. Like I never yeah. got to see him go. It's, it's for them more than anything. And I mean, saying that you saw LeBron in person, like as much as I dislike his personality, I respect him as a basketball player. So I, I, I kind of have to give him the nod on that one of like, give it to the fans. Yeah, uh, fair point. Uh, I mean, especially I, I since he's so humble and doesn't want to do course, it himself. Of course, yeah, he would. He's just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta stop my jokes, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I'll jump ahead here. We talked about bingo two weeks ago. Uh, NFL draft bingo. We came with some cliches. Uh, we had an independent adjudicator, Pete Selwood, say if they were too vague or not. I think he was very generous with those. I don't think he got rid of any of our. No, I, I there was a couple that were definitely pretty vague. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I have the, the NFL draft bingo card in front of me. Shout out to myfreebingocards.com for hooking me up with the. I guess hook me up. I use their website. We don't get a special favor. But we already have some coming in. We have some prime opportunities for bingo coming up. Uh, I said on the show that I think there's going to be talk about Michael Penix replacing an established veteran quarterback. I didn't say Matt Stafford out loud. I wish I did because sure enough, boom, multiple mock drafts saying Michael Penix replaces Stafford. The Rams pick him up in the first round. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, Jane Daniels over Drake May. That was when Jane Daniels was kind of a like a... 10th overall, 15th overall kind of guy in the middle of mock drafts. Then also, boom, he shots up. This, I feel like the Heisman's always shoot to the top. Looking at um, Baker Mayfield all of a, out of nowhere, Kyler Murray. Uh, chip on his shoulder as the <laughs> the free space. Yep, that definitely got filled. And Sean Payton likes pocket pass or QB. I could not believe my eyes when I saw the J.J. McCarthy uh, talk this morning that Sean Payton's apparently enamored with him. So that was kind of mostly a joke I put on there, but glad it wound up being right. So uh, we have uh, three in a row. The first three, we need character. We need Caleb Williams has, quote, character problems. We need a scout to say that, which I think he will pretty quick, just because uh, whenever there's any sort of incident whatsoever, and he's Caleb Williams is perfectly fine, but it just feels like someone's itching to say something bad about him. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's so much ammo from him, uh, his time at USC especially, of like, oh, he was a quitter. Like, look at him in the, the Notre Dame game, which just gave up, or all these different things, or the painting swear words on his fingernails or whatever. Like, there, there's little things that, that I'm waiting for someone to, to bring back up again. Yeah, that stuff is just, I think, nonsense for the most part. The stupidest one was when he was crying after he lost, and, and people said, oh, my gosh, what a baby. But you can literally see other people... Uh, praising athletes like, wow, look at the emotion. Look at Nick Sirianni when the national anthem is playing. That's a real American right there. It's just, uh, but final one in that category, fast front seven players talk to the combine. I think that one's going to happen. I think we're in prime position for a bingo shooter. With that, I'll jump it, jump to the Brewers. Loving what they're doing right now. Uh, they brought Brandon Woodruff back. He has got hurt last or the end of last season. He's probably not even going to play this year. If he does, we right at the end. But it's a two-year deal, so they want to rehab, get him ready to go. And Christian Yelch is already super excited that Woody is back. So I should tell you all you got to know about the deal. He didn't even know how much we signed Woodruff for, so I guess that means he's just such a, a chill uh, gentleman that it's good to have him aboard. One quick touch on Mike Trout. Uh, you said he wants to stick with the Angels. He said that's taking the easy way out to leave. I want to mention that uh, Barry Bonds had the single greatest four-year stretch in the history of baseball. Uh, 2001, he broke the record for most home runs hit in a season, and it was probably his third best season, that four-year stretch, and he did not win a World Series there. So I'm just saying, Mike Trout, uh, you think you're taking the easy way or the, the hard way, staying with the Angels, I promise you that there is no chance. If, if you think you can so handily will the Angels to a win, all I can do is wish you good luck in that department. And finally, you're going to jump to the talk about All-Star. I actually kind of have one thought on that trial oh, go point. for it. Uh, is it really more of the easy way, just getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to not <laughs> play in competitive baseball games? I, I think that seems like the easiest way out of all time. Yeah, I'm with you. He can just chill out in L.A. No excuses for him not performing, getting his team into big moments or whatever. Well, it's a team game. Look at all these other people that are so bad. That It's, it's everyone else on the team. It's not him. He's the All-Star. But you still got to be able to get in those situations and perform. I, I feel like he's kind of dodging the smoke here a little bit. I, I kind of like that take, Ducking actually. from big moments. Yeah, I, I don't mind. He was great on Team USA uh, in the, oh, gosh. What, what's that called? Uh, the, the International World Baseball, baseball Classic. Yes, thank you. Uh, how did I know uh, that? Yeah, <laughs> you're the non-baseball guy. Uh, so, yeah, it would be great to see him in big spots. Uh, he seemed to think that um, leaving the team that has done nothing but pay him and fail him I mean, I kind of respect the loyalty, but at yeah. the end of the day, like, you want the best players to be in the biggest games of the season. Like, it yeah. would suck if Patrick Mahomes was just on the Browns with absolutely nobody. 
There you go. Of course, you mean the the. You know, oh yeah. Well, now, the Browns right I guess, now. I guess now would be, the Browns yeah, be the Panthers. The Panthers. Yeah. Then. Finally, All Star break. Um, the All Star game was a. I I, I don't want to say disaster, but I will anyways. Uh, but there was one bit that kind of had me grinning from ear to ear. It was clear that the announcers were just kind of realized how much of a joke uh, the game was. And I got to give a shout-out to Brian Anderson, who I know is a big fan of the show, I'm sure. Uh, there was a point where Steph Curry turned the ball over, and then Jokic would start going the other way. And this dude started yelling like it was Game 7 of the Finals. I, I, don't, I can't put it over the air, but he basically said, and a steal by the Joker. It's a three-on-one. Jokic, almost a dunk. And he just kind of laid it in. And the entire broadcast was uh, cracking up at just how pathetic that sequence was because Steph did not care. It was just kind of like waltzing back the other end to, I don't know, if Jokic felt like passing them for a three that they could brick wide open. But, I don't know, fun nonetheless. It feels like a good segue into our All-Star segment. Yeah, uh, we took the liberty of uh, watching the the horrible product that was the, the, the NBA All-Star weekend. And, uh, ranked each category on a, a scale of 1 to 10. Um, I mean... I was tempted to go through and rank these like the uh, dunk contest and just give everything a 50 for no reason, but obviously (laughs) uh, they don't deserve that since we're doing out of 10. I'll start off with the Rising Stars. I gave this a 3. it's. I understand that it's entertaining, but I didn't keep up with it at all, so I was like, it just didn't hit for me. Wow. I I gave that one a 6. I quite liked it, honestly. Okay, because... Look, the G League players were trying, and Wemby had a good game. I, don't know, I I enjoyed it personally. Now, I didn't think six would be a high mark. I, I viewed uh, two or three as, like, would have preferred to do something else rather than watch it, which I guess is yeah, that, that, yeah, that applies. fair to your, to your point. I, I enjoyed it personally, but I understand. Uh, moving on to the skills challenge, uh, this was also a, a three. I probably should have downgraded a little bit below the rising stars because it, it was slightly worse. Uh, it looked like there was even less effort during this one. I mean, you guys just throwing half-court shots over their head. It, it, uh, it looked like just warm-up before high school gym class. Yeah, it was so bad. I gave it a two out of ten. Uh, I, I think they should just get rid of this event. Most of these, I think that they can alter it and make it better. But this one, it's just it, it's a no-go in my opinion. It was fun when the Antetokounmpo's did it. But even they, hey, don't stop laughing at me, genius. That was fun. You enjoyed it. It was bad, but it was fun. It was good. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it was so bad. Scotty um, Barnes throwing it, just yeeting it over his head was kind of emblematic of the entire All-Star Games as a whole. If I can hop in with that, I Go agree. I agree that it's a two. I think they should really scratch that. Um I've been saying for multiple years that they should replace it with, like, maybe just a king of the court because the whole concept was, what, the All-Stars won the first two, and then I forget the third game, it was the shooting challenge, but they can get 200 points with that and then tie it up. If they won two, I feel like they should just take it away, and it was just like a whole waste of an hour in my opinion, but I, I don't really enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like with you. the only way you could make it like a skills challenge and keep it like the idea of that is like just make a new basketball that doesn't dribble very easily and then just see what tricks you can do with it and like give it to Kyrie or something <laughs> like that would be very entertaining if Kyrie just suddenly wasn't able to dribble a basketball that would be so shocking I really like that there's no way he'd agree to do it oh not but. at all just ruin your idea of how the ball is supposed to respond and yeah. come back to you just embrace the gimmicks, goes a foot man. to the right Oh man! I mean, Scotty lost the ball in that first. Uh, <laughs> he did yeah, he that put first challenge the stands. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I think that was the most entertaining part of the, right. the entire challenge. <laughs> no, I like uh, Ben Caro uh, sh- shooting from the corner and uh, hitting the side of the backboard on back to back. But yeah, Scotty Barnes just haphazardly dribbling it like I like he was dribbling it like Stanley from the office basically, <laughs> and just seeing it go careening into the stands. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, moving on to the the dunk contest. Uh, this one I will rank as the dunk contest ranks. I think this is a, a 48 out of 50. Uh, I think that's what Jalen Brown got on his, and it was that that sums everything up right there. I mean, how is that? Uh, it was a like a 4-3 dude sitting in a chair, and he jumped over him. What like I don't get like cool like we're giving you a high score because you brought out an entertaining person. Like it didn't yeah. make any sense to me whatsoever. And then they they bring Mac McClung out like a circus animal yeah. and just let I him perform for everyone. It's like, if that's what you're going to do, why don't you just have the NBA-sponsored dunk contest where you hire professional dunkers to right. come on and just put on a show that way? Because they do take the time to come up with new stuff mm-hmm. consistently. They should be able to do 
new dunks year after year after year, come up with new gimmicks, spend the entire year focusing on that rather than a couple of days before the contest for these NBA players. Oh, yeah, because that money would be life-changing money for a lot of those uh, competitive dunkers. Not that they don't make bank. I mean, the Harlem Globetrotters, they, they are awesome, and they sell out arenas. Actually, that should be the, the Rising Stars game, just Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters against yeah. an NBA team. Yeah. That'd be Can awesome. I comment on that? Go for it. You don't okay. have to ask permission. Just, <laughs> just interrupt me, dude. Yeah, I mean, okay, I... I agree. I did not like the whole dunk contest. I think it could have been so much more entertaining. But what I will say is I feel like there's a, to an extent, it can't be new and fresh ideas in the sense that, like, I feel like every dunk that could have been done has been done by this. Like, I can't think of any, like, I can't come up, not that I could even think of doing it, but even for someone else to do, like, I can't think of, like, other dunks to do. So I feel like, the thing that's kind of like lost and made it less exciting is there's nothing you see where you're like, I've never seen someone do that before. And I think that's like a big part of why it's kind of just like, meh. I think someone has to do the mascot one where they bring out the trampoline and you go through the rim. <laughs> Imagine seeing a oh, full-size yeah. NBA yep. player go through the rim. Oh, my gosh. Get, uh, would be, get Victor Wemby yeah. Just slither his way through there. I'm totally with you, though, Grace. Uh, I, I don't know what would get me excited at this point. I give it a 3 out of 10. I think they should suspend the dunk contest for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm going to say this specific dunk contest had to be probably the worst I've ever seen with my own eyes. Um and that says a lot, especially considering back in the 80s, they weren't even doing nothing that crazy. Now to yeah. us, that's how bad this one was to me. I mean, I feel like it all starts with the judges. Um, number one, Max McClung's, his first dunk that he did should have been a 50. Yeah. I yeah. don't understand that's how it was not a 50. That's the one we've never seen before. Yeah. And just, oh, gosh. And I feel like when Aaron Gordon got robbed, and I will keep saying he got robbed, that's just where it spiraled downhill because now it's like – they don't want to get on that stage to to try it out anymore because I want to say you run the risk of getting injured. I mean, you kind of do, but as far as just, like, creativity, is, I don't want to go out there and then I become this laughing stock because Jalen Brown is a laughing stock right now because that left-hand dunk that he did over – Kai Sinet, who is 5'3", <laughs> it was not impressive to Sitting me. Sitting down. Right, yeah. exactly, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really not a fan anymore. Um, I've kind of lost hope, so I would definitely say a one for that. Ooh, one, a one. Wow. It, well, this specific one yeah. was a one. I didn't. I did not like that. Yeah. How do you feel about the, the three point contest? For my rating, I kind of lumped this together with the the uh, Steph versus Sabina shootout. Okay, you're combining them. I I combined them. Okay. Uh, I, I gave it an eight in unison of both of those. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, they look like both Steph. And uh, I, I, I Sabrina suck, yeah, I, yeah, I suck at saying your name. Uh, both looked like they really wanted to win it. Um, I hope they bring it back again next year. My only change with this would be, why don't you just add all the girls to the, the three-point contest in the first place? Just let her win the entire thing if she can. Uh, I mean, she would have she matched Dame's score, so it, it proves that she's good enough to be in there. I don't know why we have to make it like a, a separate event. I feel like it's like the, the kids' table sort of deal then, like, letter the full thing. Wow, I kind of disagree, because I thought the Steph-Anescu contest was bigger than the actual three-point contest. They kind of wanted to give her the bigger stage. Yeah, I think they they wanted to make it a one-on-one thing. Maybe it kind of would have ruined the mystique, I guess, of the best men shooter against the best women shooter if it was just kind of a part of it, and then, it, like, after Steph, so it's like, all right, here comes Laurie Marketing in the shoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, uh, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I gave uh, the three-point kindness an 8 out of 10. I gave Steph versus Sabrina a 9 out of 10. The only reason, only reason I don't go 10 out of 10 is I really do not like ripping on commentators. Uh, it's, I, it, look, it's tough. But what was Kenny Smith yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. I... I can't explain it. I, those situations, especially the the amount of time that you're going on air with a mic in front of you, you're supposed to be commentating on something that's not particularly interesting. Uh, you kind of got to fill in the gaps every once in a while, and he he took some creative liberties to say the least. Yeah, they are in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let that speak for itself. They are in Vegas. Yeah, he was definitely taking some chances with some of the stuff he was saying. <laughs> but uh, it, so I want to ask you guys though, what do you think? Because in my opinion, I don't even know if you need commentary for the three-point contest. Because I feel like the action kind of speaks for itself. Like sometimes, you know, Kevin Harrell say, oh, he's made six of his last seven. It's like, yeah, that's useful. But when you just start hearing Reggie Miller say, uh-oh, 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 as a guy's knocking threes, it's kind of like, do we really need that? Right. 
my opinion is like more of a PA announcer vibe versus like play by play in the sense I think it would be I don't know. It, I feel like it would feel a little awkward if there was nothing. But at the same time, you know, I don't need to hear your voice the entire time. Like, I feel like a little commentary would is, like, great because, yeah, I feel like nothing would be awkward. But at the same time, I agree with you that it was a little overboard. Yeah. Yeah. I would kind of say, like, maybe after every rack, then probably Ooh, now you're put your mic on. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, you can tell, oh, they're heating up. Oh, he found it now. Like, you you can see that. You know, if they hit their last five, six shots, you can tell that they're on fire, you know. But it kind of gets, oh, now they're cooling off when they miss the next three in a row. So it's just wait till the rack's over. Maybe at the money ball you'll even come in after the second rack. But it, it can be too much at, at times. Let's just get Mike Breen to say bang after every single <laughs> three Well, Alex, I think we I, – I, well, I'll we give have you the choice. You want to do our awards or our – I think we can rush through the the GM rankings. GM, okay. Of so this is if we were to take over the GM position of an NFL franchise, which teams would we most and least want to take over for? Yeah. So oh, you want to go first here? Do you uh, want to start from the top? I think that saving the worst for last is always the most fun. That's my way to go as well. Uh, I'll <laughs> I'll start off my my top three good uh, three spot is the Steelers. They have a little bit of cap problems, but the depth of the team and the coaching, the ownership, there might be a little bit of trouble there, but uh, it's just been a fantastic year-over-year franchise. They have depth right now. They just need to build probably a little bit at the, the safety and corner position, get a little bit more depth there. Um, I mean, Patrick Peterson could definitely be replaced. And then uh, just shoring up the offensive line and uh, quarterback position. And, and this team is uh, ready to go the other way. I think if you could get the quarterback position right, it would make you look fantastic. High risk, high reward uh, situation here. Yeah, Steelers are my four, my unofficial four on the list. I viewed it as uh, what gives me the most job security. Uh, I think that the Steelers, they're really hesitant to fire people. I mean, they gave uh, their offensive coordinator probably six more weeks than they should have had. But I think that would have been good for me from a standpoint of trying to keep my job. But for my third, I actually want the Packers. I just want to throw them in there mostly. But a lot of young talent, you're going to get your quarterback locked up. It's almost like a don't wreck the car kind of thing. So I think I could just do nothing and wind up uh, holding on to that job for a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I would be scared of uh, ruining the franchise and uh, having my friends and family despise me. So <laughs> I, I would stay away from that one. I think we got to rush through just my, bot- yeah. my bottom three, obviously, are Commanders, Patriots, and Panthers in that order. Really? Um, well, I, real quick, why don't, we quick, why don't you quick say your top two? My top two then would be the Lions and then the Bengals. I, I think those Whoa. are teams that have good depth and are, are poised to go uh, well in the right direction. Wow, I went Texans and then Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, but I see what you're saying. My bottom three, uh, I went Panthers, and I went Browns. I think the Sean deal is a disaster, and it kind of puts a damper on anything you're trying to build culture-wise. And then Raiders, uh, I'm just not quite sure where, where they're going right now. They know they, I know they have a meddling owner, cap problems, it, it just no quarterback. I, I don't know. That, that feels like a tough spot to be in. Yeah, not ideal. I had this just outside my, my bottom three. Yeah. Honorable mention for worst, Chargers. Uh, I feel like, like I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a bad person or anything. I just feel like there's a lot of pressure on whoever's going to be running. And the place. ownership and fans, yes. not that great. Yep. And for my honorable mention for best, I put Commanders. Uh, it's kind of funny because you had that in your worst. But I just think that I like the new ownership group, and I think that uh, you got that number two pick, get your quarterback, buy yourself some years, then hold on to that. That, that job as long as you can. It kind of seems like everything that they've been doing, even since the new owner took over, hasn't been going in the right direction. That's why I put them on the low end. I mean, they're just selling off a lot of their best players and yeah. not really building up. I mean, there's room to grow there, a lot of cap space and everything, so uh, a lot of options available in that situation. Uh, that's going to have to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great evening, Madison.